Vinny was there at family night on Saturday. I would love to hear from you at 608-321-1670. But before family night, there was uh, a certain individual from CBS Sports who did exactly what he was trying to do, and that was going to go viral over Twitter. He just happened to take the slings and the arrows of Packer Nation. I know Chicago Bears fans started uh, glomming on to uh, Adam Sheen, whatever the hell his name is, Adam Sheen or Shine, whatever it is, as uh, he uh, was coming after Jordan Love a little bit. I'm going to play the video as Devondre Campbell making some interesting things. But at family night, a uh, mixed bag from Jordan Love uh, started out a little, uh, Matt LaFleur was saying, uh, the, under the lights, he was feeling maybe a little, uh, little nerves, a little pressure, settled down as uh, he eventually made some throws, but didn't open up the greatest campaign uh, Saturday night. Jordan Love has a mixed bag performance. Struggled initially during team periods, completed only one pass of five attempts, and the connection came on a busted play. Uh, one attempt was broken up by Jair Alexander. The others resulted in misfires by Jordan Love. And then, um, like, Matt Schneidman for The Athletic was writing that, that quote, there wasn't much spectacular or terrible from Love. Things did get a little eventfully bungled. Uh, a center to the quarterback exchange uh, killed a two-minute drill. LaFleur then started the drill over again. That's when Love caught fire. He had a 30-yard completion to Luke Musgrave, the tight end. A 23-yard uh, throw to Christian Watson. And then a 21-yard touchdown pass to Watson on a 50-50 ball. There was another pass he had to uh, Aaron Jones that everyone was throwing out on the uh, highlights saying how good it was. If you watch the video, if it was week one or any normal game, he would have been blown out of his cleats from a sack. But I guess Probably it was close throwing the ball away. There's that as well. But <laughs> if he would have kept the ball in week one, let's say, against the Bears, he would have just been schnockered yeah. on his ass. But he still, you know, made the throw. All right, boys, here's the video. This is um, Adam Shine from, or Sheen, excuse me, S-C-H-E-I-N, Adam Sheen from CBS Sports. Now, he's like a digital guy. He feels on, on air once in a while. He's an opinionated kind of man. He's a fake radio voice. There's no way that's his voice. He's a puker. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about Jordan Love. Uh, Here is Adam Sheen on the, I paused it a couple times. Um, It's a minute 25 long. He talks, and this is what, you know, was a blaze on Packers Twitter over the weekend. How about the NFC? The Green Bay Packers offense is going to be fine with Jordan Love. Love. I loathe love. Despise love. I mean, everyone looks great during preseason practices except apparently for Jordan Love who by his own admission has struggled and you have players on defense calling out the offense and just take a look at these notes according to Matt Schneidman from his piece in The Athletic. I mean this is a flat out debacle. It's also predictable because Jordan Love can't play football. Simple as that. You have Rasul Douglas He's talking all sorts of smack to Aaron Jones, saying, you guys bleeping stink. Jones is livid, and then acknowledges the offense is terrible. Defensive players are calling out the offense. Jordan Love can't do a damn thing. Last night must have been hell for the fans of the Green Bay Packers who have to see Aaron Rodgers on the Jets' sideline. Oh, by the way, big dog, Mercedes Lewis, just signed with the Chicago Bears. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be a predictable disaster with Jordan Love in Green Bay. Um, first of all. <laughs> he didn't break it. He, my guy was breaking it there. Guaranteed dude's never been to a training camp of any kind. No, in fact, Rob Reichel uh, has a uh, an article about it. An NFL host 
who no one can ever remember seeing in Green Bay, said Jordan Love can't do a damn thing. Here's my article at Forbes.com. Yeah, but like, I, I every word <laughs> out of somebody's mouth between the offense and defense when they're between the lines at a camp is, you suck. Yeah. Don't bring that trash towards me. Don't do blah, blah, blah. Then if the offense does something... They're stressed your shirt back Well, him. look what like, happened if uh, with Diggs uh, smack talking Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. They're like, yeah. he was Diggs was calling him all kinds of names. And Dak Prescott was like, we're just we're just trash talking, right? Dude. I and think it, this guy might be right, but he has no supporting evidence. And no, yeah. we've never seen Jordan Love play before, so he could be right. Jordan Love could be way in over his Give head. Eight games. Uh, he could look way out of place. The Packers could absolutely stink. The quarterback play could be even worse, but. When you use the reasoning of, well, Rasul Douglas was talking trash. Well, Rasul Douglas talks trash. That's all he does. And yeah. when the defense is absolutely dominating the offense, now that could be Jordan Love's fault, but that could also be a lot of young players, uh, you know, more veteran-related defensive side of the, the ball. Rasul Douglas is chirping because they're winning. I get it, but does that really mean that Jordan Love himself individually has been that bad? I mean, not necessarily. Uh, some of the other things that he had cited, it doesn't necessarily mean that Jordan Love is awful or he can't play football. And then my favorite one was the Mercedes Lewis. Well, who cares? They, dra- <laughs> they, they drafted two tight ends in the top 100 picks, and they used high draft capital on two tight ends. He is a late 30s, 18th year in the NFL tight end that uh, is very one-dimensional, and it is what it is. The writing was on the wall. He was going to be shown the door. Yeah. That that means absolutely nothing to the entire premise of Jordan Love isn't good. Yeah, the throwing of Mercedes Lewis was a complete who gives a crap. But uh, what this what Adam Sheen was saying here, now the offense had yet to win a day uh, in the competition periods they did on Friday. Yeah. They did win a day on or it was one of the other Thursday or Friday. They did win a day. I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday. They yeah. did win a day. And then, you know, uh, Rasul Douglas, as Rowdy just said, he's always chirping. That's what they do. They chirp. I mean, and, they, they get in their own in fights with each other. Or when a defense is calling out the plays. The entire thing is scripted. Yeah. The offensive and defensive staffs sit down together <laughs> and say what they're going to run so the defense can set up to see what their defense can do against it. The players know the plays. Yeah. Like they're calling it out because they have to, like it's the communication thing. It's just like you've, you've heard uh, people against Wisconsin, like Penn state in a game. Oh yeah. They called out out stuff, called out the plays. They watch film. They watch They do watch film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like during camp, when you're going up against your own team, like, nothing really changes because yeah. you're running your core stuff. Now, here is something that does raise an eyebrow to me if I'm trying to read between the lines. Devondre Campbell took <laughs> this video. Again, Adam Sheen. Chimes. Sheen. Despise love. I mean, everyone looks great during preseason practices, except apparently for Jordan Love. I'm going to pause it right there. He does make a kind of a good point right there when he says that. You always hear about people, oh, you look great. You look great in practice. You look great in practice. I have yet to hear anyone say Jordan Love impressed like the entire practice will look great in practice. I haven't, I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. But that video, now he's wearing glasses. He's got these, he's a, he looks like your typical like East Coast. He looks like Squint's Palace. He looks like, he looks like your typical, I don't know where he went to school. I'm going to guess Syracuse. He looks like your typical Syracuse journalist dude who is. What's the, his name again? Adam S C H E I N C B S Sports. 
He looks like your typical East Coast like sports talk radio guy. He's got this like the slick brown hair. He's got the suit on. He's got the glasses. He did go serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I did have no idea. I just assumed. Well, it's a huge sports yeah. broadcasting school. Yeah, I mean, common sense. Uh, but here's what Devondre Campbell took the video. That's rough. He's been around since 2000. We've never heard of him. And here's what Devondre Campbell says. First, he attacks Adam Sheen, which is hilarious. But what he says about Jordan Love makes me raise an eyebrow. Here's the tweet from Devondre Campbell with the video. Ain't no way you just got on here with that baggy-ass Steve Harvey suit and them thick-ass Dollar Tree glasses <laughs> and disrespected my quarterback by saying he can't play football. Hilarious. Yeah. That's funny. Then this is the part where I'm like, okay. Devondre Campbell continues, he only has one career start. Let him play at least half a season before you open up your big dumbass mouth. When I read that, I mean, it was like, what do you mean, let him play half a season before you can open up your mouth? Like, wouldn't you already be, no, I'm probably looking too much into it, but wouldn't you stick your quarterback and be like, this dude can flat out play. He's going to come out and start turning hands and be gangbusters. That's my guy. Instead, it goes, take a bunch of insults, insults, insults. At least let him play half a season. I think. I think he's, <laughs> at least half a season. I was like, what? I think he's trying to say, how about you let the guy play before you judge him? Yeah. It just came out wrong. To me, it's like, yeah. It's not instilling a bunch of, I could be reading too much into it, but it's not instilling a lot of confidence in Jordan Love. Yeah. At least let him play half a season before you open up your big ass mouth. It's like, what do you mean, half a season? What? You, obviously, he sees him every day. He's going against him in the defense. The defense has won just about every drill. But to say, at least let him play half a season? I mean, Devondre Campbell has been the guy that uh, on the Devondre Campbell show has said Jordan Love can play. Jordan Love yeah. can make plays and is probably better than a number of, of NFL starters right now. He's just a backup. That That's was a good point, said right? last season. So Devondre Campbell has always been a guy that has stuck up for uh, Jordan Love at least the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, good point, Rowdy. And uh, yes, Devondre Campbell was on uh, saying that. Mark Murphy said the half a season thing as well. Um, you know, when he met with the media a couple a month or so ago, it's like, well, we'll know what we have in Jordan Love halfway through the season. And then you had Matt LaFleur talking on the podium uh, Saturday after it. Um, what he was saying, I now I know they keep everything close to the vest. They don't really tell you the exact truth up on the podium. When LaFleur was talking up there, he was talking about Jordan Love kind of having inconsistencies uh, as family night was getting underway. And let's see here, LaFleur. I wanted to play it for you guys. So LaFleur uh, comments on family night beginning of uh, Jordan Love overthrowing Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, and then settling in. Yeah, well, first of all, I think Jordan um... – you know, I'm sure the adrenaline was pumping quite a bit early on. I think he, uh, you know, he missed a couple throws early on, but I thought he settled down. I thought he ended it as good as he could have in that two-minute situation. Um, and then as far as those other guys are concerned, yeah, there's there's a lot of competition. By, by no means is any of the depth chart even set yet. So it's going to be, you know, may the best man win and hopefully – the longer this thing goes, it'll it'll start to separate itself. I think we'll we'll have a much better indication of where we are after we get through you know next week the competitive practice versus Cincinnati and then into the preseason games and you know we're gonna let those guys battle it out. We're- yeah, I'll just pause right there. I feel like you're looking for one of two things from Jordan Love. The first being that he walks in, you see flashes. The fact that you could probably easily make the argument where he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback, but he showed flashes of where he could be really, really good 
and then you saw flashes of well, things he needs to grow and get better on, and you know maybe another year down the road that some of that stuff will slow down and he'll continue to get better. But you want him to come in and play at at least a show flashes, middle-of-the-road type quarterback level, or you want him to be so bad that it's clear as day he's a bottom-five quarterback. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt. You don't want a gray area? There's, there's no doubt that he really isn't going to cut it, and he's only you know probably at best a spot starter and a, a career backup because then if he's really that bad, you probably – you probably will be in the top five of the draft, <laughs> and then you're going to be able to select one of the top three quarterbacks that are all. Uh, you want this upcoming draft is supposed to be a very good quarterback draft, especially the top two guys. And if, with the fifth overall pick, plus you probably get the Jets' first round pick, you'd probably be in the position to go up and get at least one of those top two quarterbacks. If that's doomsday rowdy for the Packers, and you get a new quarterback, do you want Brian Gutekunst selecting said quarterback? That's another good question. Because he's, you, Jordan loves his boy. His but, guy. Uh, but is Mark Murphy going to... Eh, you know how people say Mark Murphy was building this for like his last hurrah? What does he have, two more years left? Yeah, the 70s when you're kicked out. Yeah. He's 68. So he's got a couple more years left. And they're like, this is his last kind of all-in. They went all-in with Rodgers and they came up short. Well, now they have love in 2020. And this is like the, you know, uh, Mark Murphy's final stand as president trying to put his stamp on the Packers. In theory, he could still pull the plug on everything and still have that, you know what, I'm going to do this in my final year type thing and try and, you know, leave my stamp on it. And we might not win it <laughs> when I'm here, but I made the move. Yeah. Like, Goody could be gone. He could be. LaFleur could be gone. Uh, Jordan Love could be gone, but it's also been widely reported in the media that uh, this isn't a one-year plan. No, yeah, they're sticking. Unless it was so bad that you can't. I should say it's not a one-year plan for Gutekunst and um, Lafleur. Yeah. Yes, that makes sense. But if Love is that bad, it could be one, <laughs> one and done. Here's the door. Yeah, it sounds like by all ex- accounts, Goody and well, and Lafleur, even if it's a bad season, are guaranteed to come back. When. When is uh, Mark Murphy done? When he's 70. That, that, that uh, you have to step yeah. down How as Packers president right and CEO. He's 68. Okay. July, his birthday's in July. So there's a guy who's not going to admit he's wrong. He's a football guy. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, we well, know that. So he technically would have... brag about myself, but... <laughs> he technically would have two more football seasons left <laughs> if he just turned 68 in July. Yeah. The draft is his last hurrah, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I, th- I think that means he's not going to fire the GM or the head coach or make the GM fire the head coach. He'll make the new guy do it. He'll make the new guy do it. So I Well, think they still have the triangle of power, though. Hopefully not. Because he has those little triangle of power. I, I hope not. Lot Jordan Love in the balance of the Green Bay Packers. We're Packers family and I, the place was rocking. Packed house. Uh, now, in it, someone needed a little redemption, and that person was Anders Carlson. He sucked complete butt leading all the way up to family night where he only missed one field goal. So he was turning some heads there. Uh, something that was also turning some heads, Jordan Love, um, not the greatest, but not the worst. He was overthrowing a lot of guys, uh, Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, and then uh, started hitting dudes at the end. Now, there was one clip circulating of Jordan Love uh, hitting Aaron Jones in the end zone. And people were just, like, salivating all over it. Well, if you watch it, I mean, in an actual live game, either A, you would have thrown it away, or B, would have just got de-cleated. So uh, let's take it with a grain of salt. This is family night. But uh, Matt LaFleur, 
Uh, you know, he talks a little bit about you know family night of how Jordan Love just needed to settle down a little bit, and he had it in his DNA to kind of bounce back. But he did fumble an exchange. Uh, Love in the start of the two minute drill. Um, he spoke about you know that. Well, yeah, they're competitors. They wanted to let it run, and I said, first of all, that's probably uh, game over right there, and we just wanted to re rack it. So those guys, again, they're they're great competitors. They didn't want they didn't want me to do that, but I wanted to, you know, get a fresh start. That's sloppy play. Can't have it. Um, so I told them they, they won the first one, and then you got to play out the second one. Yeah, Love botched it, and then Matt LaFleur dropped it dead and said, no, 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 we're doing it again. And they did it again and then actually succeeded. Rowdy, the Packers have had at least one undrafted rookie making the opening 53-man roster in each of its last 18 years, and one guy they're tabbing, Malik Heath. Six foot two, two hundred thirteen pounds. Wide receiver looking like the part that he's going to uh, after scoring two touchdowns on Saturday, including a long catch and run. Um, that this guy could be making that roster. That'll be interesting because the wide receiver position is extremely young. We know that going into year two, it's Christian Watson, it's Romeo Dobbs, and Samari Toure. Mm-hmm. And then we know that they did draft what was it, three wide receivers this year? Yeah. So. That's six right there. Let's not forget that they also brought in at the end of last year, Bo Melton, who had a little bit of run in the Great NFL, name. former uh, Rutgers wide receiver. And they also brought in, I think it was one more. So that gets you to eight. <laughs> and then here's an unsigned rookie. So uh, no. it's a lot of guys that will he make it? They're saying that he impressed. He's been impressing. Well, the one of the rookie wide receivers, the uh, Tavion Wicks, he had had a concussion, so he's missed a lot of practice. And that was a draft pick. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm probably not going to be. What, what round was he again? See, now, thinking about this, though, those young wide receivers that we're talking about, uh, Wicks out with a concussion, missing time. That obviously hurts his, his case, but he is a draft pick. Yeah. What about uh, DeBose, who DeBose. also has been out with, uh, I think it was a non was it a non-football injury so he's also been missing time but that's two draft picks that they spent on wide receivers later in the draft that normally those type of guys when they get drafted they uh they get the opportunity to before some guy that walks into camp lafleur was talking about wicks uh missing you know four practices and then he started turning heads when he got there here's lafleur yeah he does he does an unbelievable job matter of fact that we were talking i think yesterday with rabel and Rabel was just, you know, talking about how many text messages he gets every night from Wicks in terms of he's always studying. Um, and so I think he's got a good grasp of the, of the playbook, and now it's, he just needs those reps. And I think the limited action that we've seen, where he's done some very impressive things. And then also LaFleur, they talks, or he talks on love, you know, responding to a slow start, a little fumble, overthrowing some guys, and then, you know, getting it done. Yeah, I think I think we've known that about Jordan in terms of just the resiliency and the poise that he possesses, and that's one of those characteristics that you can't coach. And uh, he definitely possesses that. I think you know that that tends to be life for a young quarterback. There, it's going to be a roller coaster, and there's going to be some really good moments, and there's going to be some moments that you, you want to have back. And I think that's just the nature of playing that position. Um, and so. To have a guy that is resilient, that's not afraid to go out there and, and learn from, you know, every rep, be it good or bad, um, you know, that just speaks to the character of him. God, we always, t- every time there's a LaFleur clip, it's always about Jordan Love doing something bad and how he's, and he's learning from it. He's learning from it. I've yet to hear him talk about something good. It's always like, 
yeah, he did this and this and this, and we're just glad that he's learning from it. And then what else are you going to do, I guess? With the left, Rowdy, hit him with the right. Look at me, head bussing. We got a fight in Major League Baseball, baby. It's about damn time. What? Tim Anderson got slapped, Rowdy. Oh, he got slapped. Hit him with the right hook. Anderson went down. He took a little nappy poo. Rowdy. What a fight. Better than the Jake Paul and Nate Diaz fight, by the way. As, uh, let's see here, uh, Ramirez, Jose Ramirez dropped Chicago's shortstop Tim Anderson. But first, Tim Anderson dropped his gloves. He squared up immediately. So how this all started, actually, it was Jose Ramirez put one down the right field line. Yep. Come sliding into second base. Head first. Slid halfway over second base. Didn't like how Tim Anderson tagged him. Popped him on his head. And then that's when they started jawing. And then that's when Tim Anderson immediately threw his glove off. Yeah. In hockey, that would be called dropping the glove like or Tim, dropping the mitt. Tim Anderson dropped his glove immediately. Right. When Jose Ramirez said something, Anderson immediately put his glove down and he squared up. I'll say this from the just watching it. Tim Anderson looked like he had better boxing technique or knew what he was doing more than Jose Reyes, who was literally getting held from behind, head down, just flinging wildly. But yeah, Ramirez connected, though. Ramirez is the only one that truly connected, and he, he hit him right on the button and dropped him. Yep, and Anderson, he slept for a little bit. It was very quick. He got back up, and when he tried to keep John and fight again, he and two guys hold him up, and he kept like stumbling. It was like a like a baby deer, like a like Bambi was just born, like a fawn just came out, like stumbling a little bit. Corey and Marshall message, and he goes, "What's funny about that fight is that the guy who is actually in the right form is the one who gets KO'd." Yeah, <laughs> and it, yeah, a hundred percent. I bet if you took uh, Jose Ramirez and Tim Anderson to a boxing gym or a class, I bet Tim Anderson would look a lot better. But uh, the wild flinging hook of uh, Ramirez landed. Yeah. Overall, I actually don't even really get what they were fighting about. I didn't, Ramirez, think, the, I didn't think the tag looked that Ramirez bad. Ramirez took uh, insult to how he tagged his head too hard. I get that, but honestly with the naked eye watching it, it didn't look that bad. Ramirez drawed and then it's like Tim Anderson never even had a glove on. He the glove was off in like a millisecond, and he squared up immediately. Now I saw like the it was awesome. There was a couple of questions for Jose Ramirez after the game where he made some comments, and from watching that and listening to that, it almost sounded like uh, Ramirez. This was like a long-standing oh, yeah. thing with how Tim Anderson had done some things in the past, or how you know he had tagged in the past. But honestly, from that game i didn't think the tag looked that bad here's the uh i have a the play-by-play of it take a listener here double right over the bag at first now hosey and anderson square up they're fighting they're swinging down goes anderson down goes anderson (laughs) and then the bench is clear the the best part about that first slide Hosey never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Hosey decked him. <laughs> it's a 5-1 to one Chicago lead, but everybody from the dugouts and the bullpen 
You never see Jose Ramirez get upset like that. And Tim Anderson was on the wrong side of that punch. I just like how all the videos, obviously, when you watch it, when it starts, the ump is right there trying to to break it up as they're jawing at each other. He leaves immediately. And Anderson just throws the glove down, and it's like, come on. And I love how the ref just gets out of the way. He's like, I'm out of here. He's like, I'm out of here. I'm done. This is not for me. Let it go. And then all of a sudden, like, Anderson... As Rowdy said, if you went in a straight-up boxing match, I bet you Anderson would win. Jose Ramirez, he was, like, flailing wildly and just connected on this crazy so right hook. I'm going to take it. You found the yeah, Cleveland broadcast yeah. where the guy is saying it takes that a lot to get Anderson. Jose Ramirez yeah. upset. Yeah. I've actually never heard anybody say, like, Jose Ramirez is some angry D-bag that everyone hates. <laughs> Most people do like him, but I didn't think the tag looked that bad. I almost feel like it's probably frustrations from the White Sox and the Guardians because both teams were expected to be better than what they've played at this year. Yeah. And I think it was just a, a long, over the long haul of little things here when they've played, little things there that <laughs> that it just exploded. Because personally, I didn't think the oh, tag looked that bad. Down. But yeah, it definitely. And then how about the White Sox manager that continued to go after? Oh, and yeah. then then another coach from Cleveland came over. There was more fighting. Um, I think who was it? Was it Jimenez or one of the one of the White Sox that was in the scrum that was just kind of out there? He limped off the side with like he hurt his leg. Yeah. Oh, and then my favorite part about role. all the fights, though is the bullpen, the the heavy set bullpen guys trotting out there nice trot and slow. Out and they finally get out there right when almost everything is done. So oh, they yeah. just got to be like, hey, 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 I was hey. there. I was there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was there. trotting out super slow. Hey, if, anyone, if, if Anderson came back to the scrimmage, I would have had your back. I would have been there to knock him out for we you. We got to play some oh, Terry I have Francona. It. I have it. I have it. His, <laughs> I just want to do this one more his time. His presser is hilarious. Right over the bag at first. Now Hosey and Anderson square off. Oh, okay. He's a baseball announcer, right? Yeah. He probably the only thing he had in his in his arsenal, his repertoire was. Yeah, exactly. Down (laughs) goes Frazier. Down goes Anderson. He's swinging. Uh, Then afterwards, the baseball fights when they're done right are amazing. That was an amazing one. Usually they're just a bunch of hold me back guys and they kick some dirt around and bump some chests. That I love seeing a I love seeing some punches connect. Terry Francona afterwards, Rowdy. Uh, this the, is funny. The Cleveland manager, Guardians manager, this is uh, him. Take a listen. This is what he said. What do you think of uh, Jose's left hook? <laughs> right hook. Right hook. Right. You know, it's not, it, it's really, it's not funny, but when I came in, I'm listening to what Hammy. It's hard not to chuckle. I mean, it's, but, you know, again, it's not funny, but. Boys will be boys. <laughs> I love Terry Francona. If I could single-handedly pick a, a manager to manage my favorite baseball team or a baseball team, Terry Francona would probably be at the top of my list. And that's hilarious because it's not funny because you can't say that because, uh, you know, the general public would be upset if you said you enjoyed or thought it was funny about two guys fighting. Mm-hmm. But he was like, <laughs> you, you, you kind of had to chuckle. Now, Tim Anderson uh, went to Twitter. He tweeted out, 
I don't understand half the stuff he says. You know who was probably the most excited about this fight was Josh Donaldson. Yeah. After seeing Tim Anderson get rocked. Uh, Tim Anderson says, this is all from 14 hours ago, a series of tweets. We know all this happening for a reason, dot, dot, dot. We staying focused with this bleep, S word, dot, dot. Been going through this bleep for a minute. Keep kicking on me while I'm down. A lot of MFers been switching up too. Hashtag fake crap. Fake S word. Y'all got me effed up for real, for real. Hope you picking up what I'm putting down too. Dot, dot, dot. And then the final tweet, the picture bigger. I don't know what any of that means. I think it means Tim Anderson, something. This is what it means. <laughs> Tim Anderson is frustrated because Tim Anderson has sucked this year. And he got slapped. And I think someone also found some tweet in him he regarding, it. yeah, him regarding like uh, going at it with uh, people saying you can't knock me out. <laughs> yeah, even though he got knocked out, <laughs> oh, he didn't get knocked out, but he definitely got knocked out his ass. Oh, he was he? Did you see him carrying off? Yeah, he, he kept falling down. Yeah, he, I don't think he got knocked out. I think he got uh, his bell rung, and then he kept falling down, and they were trying to drag him out of there. Well, he came back on the field. Yeah, oh yeah. So Tim Anderson, he he tweeted something out after the game that he deleted it. I think it was something along the lines of like coming after him again. I don't know. I'll have to find the tweet. Well, deleted, hopefully but. we get to see another uh, Sox Guardians matchup before the season's over. I don't know what their schedules look like. Uh, let's see. But it's inner division, so I'd imagine we might get to see at least one more series between the two. Let me look at the schedule click here. It's not looking good. No. That's it. That was it. Well, there's no, not going to be any playoffs in these two teams' futures. So. That was it. That was it. Yeah, this is Yankees. Well, the White Sox got the Brewers coming up after that. Cubs, Rockies, Mariners, Athletics, Orioles, Tigers, Royals, Tigers, Royals, Twins, Red Sox, Diamondbacks, Padres. That's it. Damn! What a fight, though. Hell yeah. I mean, that was so much better than the freaking Diaz fight. I got to hear a guy who reports on it all, every single Wisconsin Badger, because he is down there doing it and doing it well, as they're at UW Platteville, our own sports director, Zach Heilprin. Zach, hey! Good morning, brother. Good morning. How are we doing today, broski? I'm doing fantastic. Better than Blake Martinez, apparently. Are you going through withdrawals that you're not in southwest Wisconsin right now, as they have a night practice today? Are, are you already missing uh, the commute, uh, going by Dodgeville, seeing you know Mineral Point maybe, and then uh, ended up in Platteville? Yes. Yes. It's, uh, I'm shaking right now. I got the shakes. Ooh. You know how it is. Oh, yeah, I know. Shake. I know. That's why I got to get back to Dodge every once in a while. How's your, uh, how's the, how's the uh, Platteville-ing been, Zach? Have you done anything pretty, in Platteville? Absolutely not. I've been going back. I mean, you drive down for practice, you go to practice, you drive back. It's been, I'm ready to be done with it. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm going to be okay with uh, going to Matt, going to Camp Randall for the next uh, week instead of going there. Well, good news, Zach, because today is the last day of the Red Platform, like I said. And it's a night practice, yes? It is. They're, they're doing it under the lights, uh, 7 o'clock tonight, and they're going to sleep there, and they'll be coming back tomorrow uh, on their off day. So with uh, all of this, uh, the weekend that was, I was looking at your uh, highly successful Twitter account, at Zach Heilprin. Tanner Mordecai had a hell of a day yesterday, yes? He did. I think there was some concern after the first four days where there wasn't uh, was it a ton of big plays, and there was not a not a lot of great action from the quarterbacks in general. Um, but yeah, they did some goal line and some red zone stuff yesterday, and touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. It was a really really good day for him. Really good day for the wide receivers. I mean, he he threw some great passes, but they made some great plays. Uh, T.J. Williams, a little bit of a slant, 
Ricardo Hallman all over him. And Mordecai put it exactly where he needed to, and it was a diving catch, and he made it. And there were a bunch of plays like that from Tanner Mordecai, which we haven't necessarily seen throughout camp. And I think they kind of let him throw the ball down the field a little bit more yesterday than they had in the first four practices. And I think that was kind of by design, too. But, yeah, it was, it was a good day for him. How about the uh, – yeah, Roddy? Yeah, just uh, just wanted to say this one more time, Zach. Oh, C.J. Williams, oh, pads guy. That date backs to how long? Almost, you know, last March. winter. Yeah, geez. And Rowdy never forgets, Zach, I'll tell you that. How about that catch from Chimray DK, the one-handed grab mm. that even Odell responded to, Odell Beckham Jr., that is. Oof, the baby. Some of these guys have made these type of catches. Uh, Bryson – Bryson Green the day before went up between two guys and grabbed the pass. But, yeah, Jim on the sideline, oof, it was a free play, so he just kind of was able to throw it up, and he made a hell of a catch. I don't know that he was in bounds, but it doesn't really matter because the catch itself is just ridiculous. So, Zach, in this practice at uw Platteville, I mean, I, we're less than a month away from the first game against the mighty Buffalo. But, Zach, uh, are tensions starting to run a little high? Are they ready to hit some, I don't know, someone that isn't wearing red or white here uh, for the Badgers? Because there's a lot of trash talk going on lately and some uh, some some late hits, too. Some trash talk, some, a lot of feistiness. Yeah, they did this one-on-one. So they do competitive periods to start practice every day. It's different competition sometimes it's you know pass rush sometimes it's can we just move this guy here uh, move this guy out of the circle type of thing and then uh also it's one-on-ones with wide receivers and dbs and that's what they did yesterday to start practice and skylar bell and jason matry got after it uh skylar bell beat some guy and started talking trash to jason matry who was not the guy he beat and jason matry came in and took his guy and, and will paul made a great play but jason matry still got up Said whatever and started talking trash to Skylar Bell. And at the end of it, at the end of the drill, it looked like it was getting back up on backup for like the final thing. And Luke Fiddle stopped everything, called out Skylar Bell, told him to get his ass up there, Ooh. sit, you know, get up there. And then Jason, he's like pointed at Jason Matry. Matry placed the backup, and they went at it. And uh, Skylar Bell wasn't able to shake Jason Matry, but he. Still made managed to make the catch in the end zone, and my goodness, uh, the entire wide receiver room let Jason Major hear it, including their coach Mike <laughs> Brown, the position coach, just all over him. It was uh, it was hilarious. There's we caught video of it. It's up on our YouTube page. You can also see it on uh, my uh, Twitter account as well. Yeah, at Zach Halpern, a must-follow, and the camp, his uh, podcast, him and Jesse Temple, a must-listen as well. Zach, so who, over the weekend, you know, who's been turning heads? Who's uh, someone right now that you're like, all right, this guy is jumping off the page a little bit more than I expected? What has Zach Halpern been noticing? I would say, and it's it's, a, it's not a name that I don't think people probably are even thinking about. It's, his name's Jonas DeClona. He is a cornerback. He's a true freshman. He's running with the second team. But he, throughout camp, has just been – on top of it. I mean, he had a, a great rep in those one-on-ones yesterday. He had another pass breakup in uh, their skelly drills. He had an interception on Sunday, or excuse me, on Saturday. He He's an early enrollee. He took part in spring, but he's been absolutely fantastic. I think they're, I think he's been right there with the rest of the, the starting DBs. Like, I, I could say that he right now is on their level, and we'll see if that ends up meaning anything in, uh, in the regular season, but I think if Alex Smith or Ricardo Hallman were to go down and miss time, I think Jonas Clone is ready to play. If I remember correctly, wasn't Declona the guy that, uh, or one of the guys that Luke Fickle uh, grabbed late in the recruiting process when he first got here out of, uh, was it Florida? 
he was committed uh, to Cincinnati, and they managed to get him. He is from Florida, you're right. So he came up on a visit in January, and um, it was a situation where, like, he went through his whole visit, but he didn't commit. And he went back down to Florida, and the next day, two people from Wisconsin, including uh, Max Steinecker, who's uh, one of the lead recruiters or lead people on the recruiting staff, jumped on a plane and flew down and saw him, like, the next day. Because they desperately wanted him. They, 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 and they he was a four-star, wasn't he? He was he one was, of the four-stars. Well, I mean, he, I mean, technically he was a three-star, but he... <laughs> Depending um, on where you look. <laughs> yes, exactly, right? I knew um, it. He was, I knew it. He, he was an Under Armour All-American, um, and they were obviously very, very much. They they wanted him. They wanted him badly, and they got him. And I'm kind of we're starting to see exactly why. There were times in, in camp or in spring that he struggled, which is to be expected. But he's really stood out um, for them so far. Zach always standing up for us uh, every time he comes on and talks. Again. Yes, in Rivals, he was a four-star, but 24-7 had him at a high three. Yes, Lovey, depends where you look. Yes. And uh, the old guy that's that really gets into it, he had him as a 375. <laughs> What's yeah, that? That's, 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 that's why we go with uh, the composite rankings. We don't, we don't, I've never, uh, it depends on how you look. I've never done that. Uh, so you're, you're breaking that down, Nelly, not me. When we see whatever ranks higher, that's when we go with Zach, when it's in our favor. When it's for another team, if whoever one's lower, we go with that one. It always works whatever's in know, our favor. I know some people that do that, yeah. We're always playing on both sides, cause we, so we always want to come out on top, you know? That's Super just how we do. Yep, I got you. Yep. So, Zach, speaking about uh, coming on top, now, um, <laughs> that makes no sense. Zach, um, yeah. the yeah. let's see here. I'm just going to reset. Our sports director, Zach Halpern, joining us right now. Uh, by the <laughs> way, check out the camp, uh, all his comings and goings of uh, the Badgers leading up to Buffalo. What is that? September? Can you believe we're less than a month away, Zach? I mean, we're, less, we're about a month away from them playing Washington State. So, yeah, we're, we're yeah. Uh, this is crazy. Yeah, we're getting there. We're uh, getting there. I can't believe it. How's the uh, – how's the um, – I'll ask him when we get closer. Let me ask you on this, though. The Big Ten's getting even bigger, Zach. What the hell is going on? Over the weekend, it was, well, going into the weekend, it was, well, this might happen. No, that's not going to happen, but this could happen. No, but that's not going to happen anymore. No, this is going to happen. But what's happening now is the Big Ten's going to be adding more teams. We have Oregon and Washington, the newest blow to the Pac-12. What's Zach Halpern personally think uh, when it comes to adding more teams now, up to 18 with Oregon and Washington coming in for 2024? I love it. I love it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I don't. I, I know there are people like, oh, you're rooting college football. I'm like, are you going to stop watching the games? No. Are you guys going to stop watching the games because Washington and Oregon are now in the Big Ten? It's like I'm when not. Elon Musk took over Twitter. Ben Kenny and Grant Bills made this big bitch fit about it, about how it's ruining Twitter as we know it. And guess what they do? They just constantly beat off on Twitter. So it's like you're not you're not leaving. Some it. would say that uh, Elon could be depress uh, suppressing some of uh, their tweets, though. That's true. Not a lot of interaction. But to your point, Zach, people saying you're ruining college you're football, you're that. still going to watch. <laughs> What was that? <laughs> so to your point, though, Zach, it's just like Ben and Grant uh, never leaving Twitter, uh, people saying that they're ruining college football, you're still going to watch every single Saturday. They've been, right. They've been expanding college football. They've been, the realignments have been going on for 30 years, and college football just continue to get more popular. It's the second most popular sport in the country. And for anybody to sit there and say, oh, I'm, I'm not going to watch anymore, I'm going to be less interested – yeah, if you're a Washington State and maybe Oregon State fan, you might be less interested. You're going to be less interested when Oregon's coming to Camp Randall, or you're going to be less interested when Wisconsin's going out to play USC in the Coliseum. Like I don't, I just don't buy it. So I feel, I, I guess, I feel bad for 
some of the non-revenue athletes that are going to be having to travel like they are, but they'll figure this out. And I, uh, I think football wise, I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. I think it's going to be amazing. And, Probably have to go back to divisions because you're probably not done adding. Legends and, leaders, uh, baby. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Who are they going to add next? Are they going to get to 20 teams? I think they're going to – I mean, I don't think they're going to stop at 20, but I think they probably have to get – I think they will get to 20 in the next few years. Um, and I don't think they go out west. But Cal and Stanford don't make a ton of sense. So probably I would go east, and maybe if they're – if the AC, somehow, some way, people are able to get out of that grant uh, – Grant rights or grant of rights, whatever the heck it is, in the ACC. And then you go after a UNC, you go after a UVA, and potentially, um, you know, get those in here as well. So, yeah, I don't think it's done. And I think for sure, for sure, this is probably going to end up being essentially two super leagues. And I know the Big 12, maybe, maybe it'll be three, but I don't know if any of Is there anything in the Big 12 that you actually would want? It's got rated pretty much uh, over the years, especially when Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC. I mean, what's what brand is going to be there? Like if they, if the Big Ten wanted Arizona or Arizona State or Utah or Colorado, wouldn't they have already got gotten them? Like, wouldn't they have put the effort in to get them now? But we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I hmm. certainly don't think they're done. Notre Dame starts their own Super League and brings some other people in. No, Zach. So well, I don't. <laughs> What's what are Big Ten teams get about sixty million? It's upwards of close to seventy million. So sixty to seventy, but USC and UCLA. Um, well, well, no, Oregon and Washington. Unlike USC and UCLA, so Oregon and Washington will not enter the Big Ten with full revenue shares. Uh, they're going to receive like around thirty million dollars. Like, yeah. So it's it's very it's almost exactly the same as Rutgers in Maryland, where they did not receive a full the full benefits of being in the Big Ten for the first. I want to say it was like the seven, seven or eight years. In this case, it's going to be for the first until the contract runs out, which I believe is twenty nine thirty. So there's going to be five years, five six years that they're not going to receive it. They're going to get thirty million, and then add like a million on top of it every year that they're in there. And that's a hell of a discount if you're the Big Ten, right? No kidding. To be able to get a Washington and Oregon in, and let's let's be let's be fair. Oregon doesn't really have any issues with money. Uh, they have Ooh. quite the benefactor uh, out there and. Yeah, they got sweatshops so, in China making them new jerseys every freaking quarter. So yeah, yeah. So they have they have they, they're not worried necessarily about the money. I don't think too much, but uh, yeah, it's a great deal for the Big Ten. Like if you already if you're able to get a few more teams at discount like that, heck yeah. Do you have Apple Plus TV? I do. Now with this. In the Pac-12. Oh, I, Apple Plus. Apple Plus. No, I have Apple TV. Just Apple. TV. Yeah, Apple Plus. Because that was what the Pac-12 was relying on for, like, to incentivize. Because I was reading about it, that was you'll get X amount of money, and then if you reach a certain amount of subscribers, then you'll get more money. I just right. don't, like no wonder they're in the Big Ten. Like you're already getting thirty to start out, and then you don't have to worry about subscriptions or whatnot. Like the Pac-12, st- stupid conference. Like trying to change yeah. it. Like your opinion on the Pac-12 and trying to have Apple Plus TV. Horribly, I mean, the, the Apple Plus deal is, is fine as long as you have some other, like, normal, or I should not say normal, but uh, traditional media uh, partners, and they didn't. <laughs> it was, was going to be Apple. And so, like, to get to, they were projecting, like, 1.5 million subscribers, and that would get them to about the same level as uh, they were in the Big Ten. But to get to where they would be at, 
where the Big Ten is, it's like five or six million, and it's, that's just not going to happen. No. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of insane. Yeah. So, yeah, college football uh, changing big time, Zach. But here's the thing: who's going to stop to finish off uh, where we started this? Who's going to stop watching it? And you're still going to watch. How many conference games in the Big Ten? You thinking? What were they projecting? Oh, I don't think it's going to change with this, with the addition of Washington, Oregon. Maybe it's going to change if you get to. 20 or 22 or 24, but yeah. right now it's at nine and I don't see that changing. I think that's, I think that's fine. Like Wisconsin and I don't want it to change because if it changes, maybe Wisconsin will lose the Alabama series which is next year and the year after. I don't want that. Certainly don't want that to happen. Um, so I think they stick at nine still with the 18 It's just going to change up a, a little bit more. They're going to have to work with the schedule a little bit more, but putting more two more teams into this flexible tech schedule that they had before, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. All right, Zach. Um, soak in the final moments tonight when you go back to Platteville. I want you really to, you know, maybe don't shed a tear when you go by Dodgeville. I know it will be painful for you to go by and uh, realize that was the birthplace of me and you haven't seen it in a while. So uh, and soak in and enjoy every moment you can. And I know you uh, reporter boys like to throw it on a little bit. I'm telling you, go to Pizzeria Uno in Platteville, get a Long Island, and you'll be good, okay? I appreciate all the advice. This has been uh, just a hell of a week where I've been able to really soak in what Southwest Wisconsin has to offer. And uh, underrated you know, part of the state, they, underrated part of the state that they, that they produced that they produced a guy like you is uh, mm. really testament testament to what they have to offer on a regular basis. It's surprising that I haven't moved back to Southwest Wisconsin. You know, just really soak it, it all is. in. Yeah, alas, though you could never forget where you come from, Zach. We love you, buddy. No. All right, guys. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you, Zach. Bye. There he is, our sports director, Zach Halpern. Follow him on Twitter, at Zach Halpern. The camp, him and Jesse Temple from uh, The Athletics. Some good stuff right there. USC, UCLA, we already knew that was coming in. Now, Big Ten getting even bigger. You got Washington and Oregon. What? Who's even left in the Pac-12 anymore? <laughs> Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford. That's it. <laughs> What are they going to do? Well, who cares, I guess. I mean, they're talking about merging with either inviting a lot of AAC teams or merging with the Mountain West uh, and still keeping the pack <laughs> 12 names somehow. Justin uh, Wilcox, uh, you know, former, what, D.C. for Wisconsin, pissed uh, and shocked and sad, he said. Uh, for Cal, obviously, uh, Justin Wilcox, who played in the Pac-10, has spent much of his time in the Pac-12, and after Friday's departure of the five teams, he said this is sad and was likely preventable. Oh, would it be more preventable if they didn't go to Apple Plus for a subscription to get more money? It would have been more preventable had the Pac-12 not tried to create their own television network without the backing of any network. Station man, they created their own and then shopped it to Directv, who then Directv was like, yeah, okay, and then was like, now nah, I lied. So they went under the guise of if you build it, they will come. Yep, they built it, but no one wanted to come, huh? Right. And then, like you guys are the Pac-12. Then you have the situation of the Pac-12 backing out of the scheduling across all sports with the Big Ten to like create premier matchups at every level of sports every year that they backed out of. So you then took away more eyes. You then have the whole situation of even with L.A. as a market, you couldn't get a TV deal. 
Like, no, they had a proposed deal. The Pac-12 for Apple TV paid twenty-three million per school with subscription-based upside. I don't, the, yeah. Here's the thing: they're now getting thirty mil just to come to the Big Ten. If mm-hmm. your TV revenue deal is based off of subscriptions. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's never a good plan. No. Especially not when we're talking about sports and college football and Division One college football and, I don't know, a conference that is a long history of the sure. Pac-12. You can't go to subscriptions. So here's the little snippet of it. So uh, let's see here. According to the Pac-12 commissioner, uh, was presented an offer to school presidents and athletic directors on August 1st that would pay member school estimates a base of $23 million a year for five seasons. With increases for subscriptions to a Pac-12 athletic package on Apple TV streaming service, that would mean around $31.7 million a year per institution if the league could achieve 1.7 million subscribers. It's not happening. Like, <laughs> sorry. I'm not, not. Apple TV, no thanks. I mean, I'd be... I'd be what is, what's the draw? Ted I'd be, Lasso? I'd be shocked if the BTN Plus... Has 1.7 million subscribers. I would love to know. Big 10 plus subscribers. Um, I would love to know. But, like, yeah, you start getting increases at at 1.7 million subscribers. Like, that's not just subscribing to Apple TV Plus. I'd assume you then would have to add another subscription for Pac-12 Network or whatever they'd call it on Apple TV Plus. Because, you know, you... You can you can be a part of that, and then you don't have you, you. There's add-ons. Yeah. So I think there'd be an add-on. You'd have to get Apple TV Plus, and then be an add-on for whatever the Pac-12 would have been. Like, there's no way 1.7 million people are going to be subscribing to the Pac-12. I, it it's just not happening. Now, maybe if it's your only way to watch it. You might. And I saw people like trying to compare the this to um Sunday Ticket. Well, for the longest time, Sunday Ticket has only been on direct TV. And then it's an it was an add on there. Well think now, about how this would work potentially for bars. Like you know all the pay per views oh, that you have to buy? Yeah. Where yeah. you have to buy it used to be if you bought one pay per view for like the UFC like a Buffalo Wild Wings could show it on every single TV. Not no more. Then it yeah. became per TV, and then it became how much your actual location can fit in there. I don't know how it would go with a you know like a Apple TV Plus streaming service, but imagine a bar that would be out in the Pac-12 footprint. Do they have to buy it the subscription for every TV just to show their insert team games like that? That could be a huge issue for. Venues that people might go to to watch said games. Yeah. yeah. Not only have to buy it for themselves at their own house, like this, this buying the streaming services so and dumb. the subscriptions is never going to work out when every other conference, for the most part, is free to watch. Yeah. Why would you? I know it's your conference, I know it's your team, but now it's crumbled down to really only four teams. Why would you? Why would you buy a subscription when you could say, well, every other team that I would like to watch outside of the few that are left in my conference, I can just turn on the TV and go to ESPN or I can go to FS1 or I can go to CBS or Fox. This is no, you're not going to do it. Ain't free Peacock. (laughs) Well, okay. 
so if you're so interested in Pac-12, then I guess you wanted to buy or will buy the Apple TV subscription. Like, what else is the draw? I I, I got the free I got the free trial to watch some Ted Lasso. Other than that, I don't I, I stop. I don't care. Yeah, I canceled it. I did too. I did see a really funny meme over the weekend. It was like. Um, basically like how college football was going. It was like a, you know, the huge giant uh, force with like these huge, whatever. Uh, it's like, oh, I'm doing a horrible job explaining it. But it's like the <laughs> one, it's the one small, bail, bail. it's the one small guy with a sword about to take on all the huge guys that are just lined up, you know, yeah. back to back to back. And it was like, <laughs> Notre Dame versus the rest of college football. <laughs> what we're about to see shortly yeah. as oh. all the conferences get bigger and bigger and Notre Dame stays independent. And then I guess you're going to have your uh, four random Pac-12 teams that are just <laughs> kind of there. The Pac-4. Well, I did see people. The four-pack. The four-pack. There you go. I did see. Trademarked. I, just I did it. see. um Though the Mountain West fans responding to a merger with the rest of the Pac Four, they're like, We'll take Oregon State and Washington State, not the other two. They don't match up with us academically. Yeah, no thanks. I'm like, Hold on, what? I actually <laughs> think it's kind of interesting because I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but the Mac found their niche in football. Oh, yeah. Where it Maction. was. We're going to have Maction. We're going to play on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays when hardly anyone else is, is out there playing because it's going to put eyes on our product. Yep. Like, And then since there is very little defense a lot of times on some of those weekdays because we know that you have less prep time, so scores are going to go up, a lot of people like scoring. So they found their niche. They love the score. Like the Mac feels like it's pretty solid and intact right now yeah, today. I, even though the ACC's crumbling, the Big 12's crumbling, and the Pac-12, it's because they found their niche. And they, unlike the um, SEC and the Big Ten, some of these other conferences weren't going out there and trying to you know build their conference or build their footprint or build their. Um, you know, like their products network reach. Mm -hmm. And then the other point, and I know I talked about this last week, but it was the, the Mountain West. And the Mountain West went out and got like their own network. The Mountain West went out and they were like, well, you know well, what? The Mountain like CBS Sports Network? Yeah. The, you know, like our basketball isn't necessarily the best product, but you know who never plays on Friday nights during college basketball season? Everybody but the Ivy League. Why don't we throw our product yeah. on Fridays? Because our product is better than the Ivy League, and we still have players that come from the Mountain West here and there that make it to um, the NBA. Like Kawhi Leonard went to South Dakota or South Dakota, San Diego State. Like you still have some big time players. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It worked. When you are going to look for a game on a Friday night to watch, you are going to choose. San Diego State versus Fresno State over Dartmouth versus Columbia. Yeah. Because it's a better <laughs> it's, it's a better product Dartmouth and they Columbia. and they found their niche. So now they have a small channel which maybe not everyone knows it, but yeah, they have their CBS Sports line stuff. They are on Friday. Like they found their Mac niche, but in basketball and it's helped obviously with football. Yeah. It's crazy that the Mountain West and the MAC are set up better than the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 moving forward in the college, just a college sports landscape. Yeah, right. Well, they have people trying that know that, like, hey, we got to work harder to get more eyes on us because of who we are. Well, like, the Pac-12 sits around, on, like, well, we're a mighty conference. We right. have mighty teams. It's like, actually, how many people give a crap about Pac-12? 
some of it's because they never were willing to move start times. I, you know what? At some point, you're on the West Coast. You need to have a 9 a.m. kickoff. Like, it needs to happen. Like, if you want to be relevant, and now don't have to worry about it, because I'm going to assume at some point with the new West Coast teams in the Big Ten, there will be 9 a.m. kickoffs on the West Coast. See, the oh, yeah, Pac-12 totally. is in a really tough spot, because I feel like when you look at the ACC and you look at the Big 12, it's easy for some of those Big 12 teams to be picked off by the Big Ten just because of geolocation. Yeah. And it's easy for some of the other Pac-12, uh, Big 12 teams to be picked off by the SEC. Same thing with the ACC. Now, probably more of those teams fit with the SEC, but it's easier just because they're right there. Then you start talking about Pac-12. That's all West Coast. Yeah. That, that could be anywhere from Southwest to Northwest United States where you don't really fit in a conference when being pulled by the Big Ten, being pulled by the SEC. But obviously the Big Ten is going to take UCLA and USC because that's the L.A. market. They want the L.A. market. They would want specific teams. They probably could give two craps about certain teams that are in the Pac-12 that they don't want to pull. Where it it almost feels like the Pac-12 left them. Yeah, those those leftover teams that did not reach the markets that they were hoping to get. They're just extra. You probably aren't going to be wanted by the SEC. You might want to make your move to the Mountain West because that is a conference that is still has some standing. Or else you're going to be left on your own, and it's going to be four of you. Like yeah. that won't work. Yeah, I feel like their only plan is to go to the Mountain West because it's location-wise works the best, and yeah. you're not wanted by the other two big growing conferences, and you didn't. You didn't look out for yourself in the last couple of years. Now you're stuck and you are um, yeah, you're gonna, on an island. You're going to end up like that Will Smith meme at the end of Fresh Fresh Brother. Air. We're a Power 5 conference. Yeah. Didn't work out so well. It really didn't. Their last two commissioners were just horrible. 